Three anonymous grand jurors from the Breonna Taylor case took the highly unusual step of challenging secrecy and speaking out publicly. They contradicted Attorney General Daniel Cameron's claims, and they describe him as a bully who impeded their civic duty. WFPL's Amina Allahi spoke with them this month about what's happened since. It's been almost three months since the grand jury heard evidence in one of the most highly publicized police killings in 2020. The three anonymous grand jurors who came forward in the weeks that followed live with the outcome every day. Mentally, you know, my life has changed. You know, it's almost always in the back of my mind. The reasoning behind what uh, what, what uh, Daniel Cameron did. The more time goes on, the more I'm I'm convinced that you know he, it was a political decision. That's the man who identifies himself as Juror One. The decision he's referencing is the prosecutor's choice to offer only wanton endangerment charges against one former officer, Brett Hankison, for shooting into Taylor's neighbor's apartment, and no charges related to Taylor's killing by LMPD. Prosecutors told them that they couldn't make anything stronger stick. I spoke to him and two other jurors, along with their lawyer Kevin Glogauer and activist Christopher Tuex on Zoom. Although they filed and won a lawsuit to speak publicly about the case, they keep their cameras turned off. Juror 2 says he agrees with the other man, that serving on the grand jury changed him. I feel more of a rounded person. Um, It was my first civic opportunity to be on any kind of a juror. And I felt really gratified to be able to have been picked. He still feels that way, but he says Cameron denied the grand jury its rights by not allowing them to bring the more serious charges related to Taylor's death that some of them wanted. The jurors first spoke out on CBS this morning in October. Juror 2 says speaking out about what happened in the grand jury proceedings has been a form of therapy. But Juror 3 has actually turned to counseling to help her cope. It's not justified to me. You didn't find no drugs, no money. But here it is, a young lady dead, and there's nobody accountable for why she's dead or who killed her or anything. As a Black woman, Taylor's case feels personal. She worries that what happened to Taylor could happen to her, and she's grappling with the public blame on the grand jury. I kind of feel like a child being blamed for something that you didn't do. You know how you feel when you're younger and you cry or want to just lash out or something. So that's kind of how it affected me. She says she decided to join the other two grand jurors in going public to help herself deal with the fallout. All three say they stepped forward to correct the impression Cameron cast that jurors agreed with his charging decision. Unlike a trial jury, the grand jury votes on whether prosecutors have presented enough evidence to charge someone with a crime and move a case forward. For this grand jury, jurors spent the first three weeks hearing cases presented by the Jefferson County Commonwealth's attorney. By the time the attorney general's office stepped in, they had learned a lot about the process and the law. Juror one says he found out they would hear the Breonna Taylor case the night before it started. It was kind of like, this is where you're going to meet. There's going to be these these people here. They're going to have a list of your names. You're going to check in. Uh, They're going to take your cell phones from you, and then they're going to transport you somewhere. The rest of the month, they'd been at the courthouse downtown. By the time the grand jury headed off-site to hear the Taylor case, preparations to restrict movement downtown were underway. Tension in the city was high as Taylor's family, protesters, police, and city officials waited for a decision. By that time, Louisville had seen daily demonstrations for nearly four months straight. Juror 2 said he was apprehensive. It was... uh... You know, butterflies. At the time, some worried that the charging decision, whatever it was, would lead to mass rioting. There were demonstrations, including one in which two police officers were shot. They survived those injuries. 
but the intensity of the protests has diminished. The case is out of the daily headlines. A request by Taylor's mother for a new special prosecutor is unlikely to be granted. So what's left is the federal case, which is focused on whether officers who obtained the warrant that let them into Taylor's home committed civil rights violations. That's a subject Cameron's investigation didn't touch. Yeah, I hope that the federal picks it up and give a better charges on it because I do feel whether they can make it stick or not that some other charges should have been presented. If federal prosecutors want to bring charges related to this case, they'll have to take it to a grand jury. Juror 2 hopes that jury takes their example. The whole thing for me is is, is to stand up now and let any other grand jury know that you actually have rights. And unless you stand up for those rights, they're just going to steamroll. Going forward, they hope grand jurors resist being treated like rubber stamps. I'm Amina Elahi in Louisville.